Welcome back to episode six of Backstoppers. We're back for another week. I say that every week, don't I? I don't know how we keep coming back. <laughs> um, it's the Melbourne Vixens podcast hosted by Emily Mannix and me, Joe Weston. Emily, how are you? I'm pretty good. A little bit down after the, the weekend, but it's okay. Onwards and upwards, Joey, from Yeah, here. we'll talk about our unfortunate loss to the Swifts a little bit later. But once again, we have a guest because we're all about <laughs> guests because we already spend Useless enough time. We spend enough time just the two of us are in our team environment. So we always need someone to come spice it up. And who have we got in the studio today? Very special guest, Alex Saundry, my very own manager. Ooh, I feel like everyone's like, ooh. Wait, which is the sound, sound effect? effect, this one? Oh, that uh, works. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd spice up a bit. I think it's really cool to have our teammates on and talking to, obviously, netball people. But having Howie on and now Alex just gives us something different to talk about and give us our listeners something different to listen to. So Alex um, is my manager, represents or has a very diverse range of clients, um, ranging in a lot of different women's sports, which is incredible. But um, a Melbourne girl herself, welcome Alex. You can actually talk. I feel like I've been talking. Yeah. You haven't even been able to say hello. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thanks for me, girls. It's good to be here. It is. Good to have you. Um, so a Melbourne girl, grew up in Melbourne, um, went to school at Loretto, correct? Yes, that's it. Yes. Over on um, Loretto Turak on the other side of town. So um, I know the school girls network here is a big one in, you know, elite sport. And you just go there, you're a school captain. I mean, that's a big achievement. Wow, okay, yeah. We can talk about what type of people end up being school captain. <laughs> Were you school captain, Joe? No, I was a house captain. Oh, <laughs> which, is like, which is the epitome of me as a person. Like, some level of title, but very low responsibility. <laughs> it's like when you're sport captain. I feel like I was grade six sports captain. I was like, yes, yeah, that's not that important, but... I mean, school. it sounds good. There's a few types, yes, definitely. Yep. Um, but, you know, very privileged to, to hold the title at school and um, it's it's it still comes to get me, you know. I think it's, what are we, 13 years on, it still comes to get me today. Sorry, Joss, I'll get a bit closer to the mic next time. <laughs> we want to hear you. <laughs> yeah. You've got a great voice and we want to hear you. Um, so from there you went and studied business at Deakin. Um a oh. partner of ours. I mean, I another know. great link. They're actually the podcast partner because I'm a student. I'm a fellow student of Deakin University currently and probably ongoing given how slow I'm <laughs> progressing through my master's degree. But it's a master's in communication. So the podcast is actually, it has nothing to do with it, but it's a good, it's a, it's you a, good, know, it's a good pastime tool. for me. Yeah. Good hobby internship. It's like an internship. I don't get any credit for it though. Oh, what? That's what I mean. I'll have to take that up with the department. I, I think, think so. Yeah. yeah. Have a word. So from a graduate to, you know, a fellow student now. Yeah. Advice. Just keep getting through, you know, get the degree <laughs> done. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Believe me, I'm trying. <laughs> I'll just sit here quietly. Hey, I went to Deakin for a year. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, exactly. Geelong? Yep. Yep. Geelong campus. I was Burwood, Geelong, online. Just yes, cover off cloud. everything. We've really just diversified the network of mm. the podcast sponsor, Deacon, here. Yeah, that's it. Keep shouting out to Deacon. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, you're very smart and you've done a business degree, um, but also you've played sport, a lot of sports. So, at school, you played soccer, AFLW, and then we're lucky enough to play the Giants in the inaugural year of the AFLW. What was that like? Yeah, I guess um, the experience at school, I was fortunate enough to have access to any sport I really wanted to play. So, you know, through soccer, rowing, netball, athletics, cross country, I was probably the worst runner in the school. But I still got the opportunity to actually compete and be involved and be part of a team. And to go through school and obviously have AFLW not really a sport at the time, um, I kind of quit football for a bit and then went back into coaching. Um, it wasn't the... 
community for me at the time really wasn't something I was super passionate about to play. There wasn't a pathway to get to that elite level mm-hmm. like it was in under-18s. But coached for a bit the under-18s pathways in Vic Country and Vic Metro and then um, went through the pathway and just kind of was like, you know what, I'm missing playing and being part of that group, that camaraderie, that, you know, trying to achieve a goal together um, of winning. So went back, played, was fortunate enough to be drafted to the Giants um, in the inaugural season, which was just a incredible experience in itself just being part of that first game you know we worked we flew to Adelaide for round one and we landed in Adelaide um, the night of Collingwood Carlton the sellout game and I remember walking through the airport everyone's got their phone in their hand watching the game in their hand and going what is happening this is incredible so I guess going from you know training in Western Sydney which is in a very rich football community it's growing but then coming to Adelaide such a footy nut town to play in a first game you're walking in, you're playing against the likes of Aaron Phillips, Ebony Marinoff and some incredible human beings but players and then kind of coming up. We lost, full Jack. disclosure, but um, I felt really privileged to be part of the inaugural season but then just in a club that really cares about their people and the community around it as well. Yeah, and I had um, Darcy, I interviewed Darcy Vessio a few years ago and it was very like fascinating to talk about with her, like how it was just like the start of something so new. Like it's very rare, I think, in any that you get to be a part of a new sporting competition and the anticipation but also the unknown and like I think that's sort of sort of transpired through the AFLW it continues to be such a big unknown about what the future future holds for it but how many years did you play for the Giants? I only played that for two years played in the inaugural year and then the next year I guess I got to a point in my life and my career where my body wasn't holding up one and I probably wasn't at the the level I wanted to be professionally. I was flying up and back from Sydney to work and play um, during the six-month period where oh, I wow. lived in Sydney, but then having to move back six months and then back up. It just wasn't counterintuitive to, I guess, living that holistic athlete lifestyle um, when you're kind of half in and that time, you know, you were getting paid $13,000 and the expectation was you were training nearly every day. And for me, I could see, you know, I'm, I'm an individual that always wants to make an impact um, positively to something. And for me, it was being able to, from a business sense in AFLW, and that was through athlete management of the AFLW players at the time. So, um, you know, moved back to Melbourne and, and thought I'd retire. And then um, retired, delisted. It depends on who you're talking to at the time. <laughs> retired. Um, we talk about retired. Well, all about PRs being here. But the first two seasons, and it was incredible. We didn't win as many games as we wanted to, but definitely from season one to two saw some progression um, in the team and in the club in the way it handled its AFRW team. That's great. And I guess for you, obviously, injuries, and that's in sport as well. There's a lot of injuries. But for you to then, you were obviously working at the time for Connor Sports, is, which is how I sort of met you. I was trying to find a manager and I went to, to Connor Sports through a, f- a family friend and sort of referred me on to you. We'll talk about your business later. But um, I guess for you to then have that injury, and it happens a lot in sport, where, where do you go after that? And for you to then go on and start your own business from playing sport and then working in that field is pretty incredible and a real achievement. So I think that's very special but we will talk about your business more than management um, a little later but we should probably that's true talking about not having a lot of wins in the season we'll segue into our loss unfortunately for round six Six. god they (laughs) just keep flying by don't they what comes after five is it yep Six, not... Yeah, We're nearly okay, halfway through the season, Joey. It's absolutely flowing. That is. 14 so we, games, not enough. I know, Alex, we went up to Sydney on the weekend, uh, out to Homebush, a very well-trekked path for any athlete that gets to compete in up in Sydney. And, yeah, we lost, didn't we? 
Let's see. Goal. Hang on. There you go. Oh, you yeah, nailed that one. That's a good one. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that one hits it. I think we use like two or three, and that's I always only, one. That I we use that for when we lose or when we talk about Geelong. Okay. <laughs> not Geelong the football club. I mean, you could do that because I'd press that for the Geelong football club, but it's actually living in Geelong. That's what I get. I get teased, and I don't get to ever press the buttons, Alex. I talk about the meditation in the car, Em. You get <laughs> time away from everyone else exactly. in the world. There's a reason I don't let you touch the buttons. I know. I'll be <laughs> buzzing you all the time. Free. <laughs> yeah. Nah, the game was yeah. um, disappointing for us. And, you know, Simone said after, I've got Kate Maloney waving at us from outside the window here, bickering. Um, yeah, I think for us, Simone was quite disappointed for us. She said after the game, she wasn't disappointed in us, she was disappointed for us. And I think that's how we all felt. It was, I guess, not our best performance. I think we played well for majority of the game, though, mm. which I think was disappointing in the end that we didn't get the win because we were able to put out some really good netball and what we've been working on and we just weren't able to execute in those key moments towards the end of the game when those two-point shots can really make a difference. And, yes, we were able to get on top by one, unfortunately. Yeah, momentum is a, a hard thing. To stop sometimes, and that puts us one goal behind in the Sergeant McGuinness Cup, which, which is what we really wanted. That is to retain. That's what we want. We re- we won it back last year um, after a pretty dismal twenty twenty one. So we're we're looking to retain that for when we play the Swifts, hopefully at home. And there's only one more game. This round is spread out for us, Alex. We were the only game on Saturday. Two games on Sunday, and then we have our first. I think it's the first. Don't quote me on that, anyone. But I think it is. They're playing an Anzac Day. Thank you, Alex. Is coming. Alex yes, across all the big things. Yeah, no, she would know. I would trust you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you would know. Um, Collingwood and Sunshine Coast Lightning are playing on Anzac Day as sort of. Um, I guess there's three sporting games on. There's a rugby league game, and then there's the Essendon Collingwood game. As a Bombers fan, yeah. that'll be pretty cool. Can I, I press think. the button for that? No, you're not allowed to touch oh, the button. Let me press Essendon the button. Fan. Oh, please! <laughs> to put up with. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm hoping there'll be some sort of um, service at the beginning of the match. What do you think about it? Yeah, Maybe we'll get to play Collingwood. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that would be really cool. Wouldn't it be a Vixens um, Collingwood Anzac Day match in the future? But uh, I think it's a really great concept. We played in Sydney and we were able to experience, I guess, the service before the game. We were able to go through that and it's, it just makes you so proud to be Australian. I get goosebumps. I was getting goosebumps when they played the last post on um, on Saturday. It just gets that real community feel of what it is to be Australian. Australian sorry. And I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting game. Collingwood and Lightning, I think it'll be... Probably quite close, actually, as well. A bit of a blockbuster to watch. Um, yeah, lots of sport in Melbourne on the weekend, which is also really exciting as well. In the one precinct. I know. Well. Mm. It's going to be hard to get a park in Richmond oh, on Tuesday, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, we've got great public transport here in Melbourne, so... It's <laughs> a main priority, get a park. Catch a train. I'll catch well, a train from, from Geelong. Geelong. <laughs> I was like, well, you're definitely driving. No, the trains are down. Trains are down. Yeah, I could catch a ferry. That goes to Docklands. I could do that, but... The trains are down from Geelong to Melbourne at the moment, so it's taking people about three hours <laughs> headline, to get into the city. Headline out of this podcast, trains down. down. That's it, in Geelong. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, park our, we'll park our round six match and move on to talking more about you, Alex. So um, I guess Emily sort of alluded to it after you uh, retired um, <laughs> and moved back to Melbourne full-time because I can imagine the toing and froing between Melbourne and Sydney is not something that's really conducive to having a stable life. A lot of the time. Um, so you set up your own business. Talk to talk to the listeners about it. All yeah, six um, of them. I guess, you know, <laughs> moving up and back from, from Sydney, you, you were well versed in how long it took from Homebush to the airport to how long mm. it oh, took we know. to get from <laughs> the, you know, the drop-offs for the arrivals to the gate and you'd make mm. sure you get that 10 o'clock out 
out of Sydney because that was the curfew in Sydney. Oh, yeah. Two or three times a week. So um, for me, I guess I got back and really reflected on my last two years and what that had what had transpired across the last two years and the growth that we were seeing, not only just in AFLW, but of women's sport. At the time, I was working at Connor Sports Management, which was a purely male-dominated AFL men's um, agency. And so over the the past two years when I got back, I started to bring um, girls and people in to the agency for me to manage. And um, I loved it. I had about 10 or 11 at the time and got to a point in my career that I just – I was hitting a bit of a glass ceiling and I wasn't able to do what I wanted to. I wasn't able to keep growing. I wasn't able to keep challenging myself. So – I guess I reflected and spoke to a lot of mentors um, within my network and came to the conclusion that I didn't want to hide behind a, a really strong agency. I wanted to create my own identity away from just the athletes I was managing. I wanted to create, at the time, I, I called it a bit of a sisterhood that we'd band together and, and try to create, create something that stood for more than just the sport and more than just the individual accolades. So, um, And for me, when I was trying to name the business, I've always been someone that wanted to be more than just an agent that comes around every 12 months, clips the ticket of commission and, and says, see you later. We've, we've always prided ourselves on trying to offer a really great service because we're a service-based business, but be really genuine people at the same time. So we can have a laugh, we can have serious conversations, but at the same time we want to make sure that we're all heading in the right direction and that is to make the individual's career the best experience it can on and off the court pitch whatever you want to call it, field, everything. (laughs) So for me, I I got to a point that I wanted to do more and for me that wasn't at that current agency and that current setup. Um, So I I left. Um, It was a big risk at the time, not only for me but for the clients that that followed me, but for me I look at the opportunity. I never looked at the risk. Um, People made sure they told me about the risk associated with it. I'm sure they were very loud too. Yeah, they were very loud. (laughs) And um, for me I just – all I could see is opportunity and – Everything I associate with our business and, and my life now is still opportunity. There's there's risk in everything and if you look at the risk too much, you obviously have to weigh it up a little bit but opportunity is the main word I saw from from leaving and that was not only f- for myself and an agency but for my, the people that I got, was managing at the time as well. Opportunity to have full-time management, not to just be the person on the end of a male male-dominated um, management agency spreadsheet to say we've got to check in with them every once in a while. So that was kind of the philosophy to leave and, and, and I guess, pave my own path. Um, and here we are today, five years next month. I know, and I can't go to the party. I know, I know it's oh, a bit of a, a party. party. I got an invite. <laughs> you missed yours. <laughs> well, you're not invited. I, I had to decline because we're going to be playing. We're, we're up in um, – I looked at my calendar straight away and I was like, oh, we're playing like literally on that day in like Queensland or something. I, I was know. Like, it was a bit of a – the logistics of trying to find a day – where there was not a game on. Was well, as I say, all your impossible. athletes are all doing something different. Yeah, like they're all doing something different. And then I go to Europe oh. on the 9th. I know, drop that in there. So it was then or it was never. So we've gone on a Sunday family-friendly, you know, mm. vibe. But very disappointed that it's going to impact our netballers. <laughs> well, I'm okay. sure the five years have have flown past. I know now you're sort of working um, mainly with females, but you're still in probably a male-dominated industry, which is sport. What do you find the experience like that? I guess um, I've always been up for a challenge and it's still challenging to this day, even though that I deal with just female-based sports at the moment. But there is, you know, different genders um, within every single sport that I deal with and both genders are challenging in themselves, right? They're, it's a male-dominated industry and you're still trying to pave a way for the importance of the time 
these individuals and athletes deserve. Um, There are days where I find it very challenging, the different personalities that I have to deal with, but I feel like we – everyone now probably feels that in their their space or their sport or their their business. But for me it's – I look at the opportunity in that challenge again. Um, And that might sound a little bit arrogant, but it's not arrogant. I look to find a way to characterise everyone by their personalities um, and try to connect with them on a personal level to make sure that, you know, the business that we do – has integrity centred at the core of everything that we do. But also, you know, I look at it, we're not curing cancer. We're trying to give great individuals great careers and they need to enjoy them. So we need to enjoy that journey with yeah. them. So for us to make sure their journey is enjoyable, we need to have great relationships with with everyone in the industry. Um, but the male-dominated thing always comes up. Mm. And for me, I, I acknowledge that I'm in that. But um, instead of kind of looking... At my competitors, I would say, I, I, I probably put my blinkers on if I was um, a horse in a race and I kind of go, we want to offer something so different that we're incomparable mm. um, and we want to make sure we're focused on the path moving forward and we're not distracted by what's surrounding us laterally. Um, and that's what our ambition is, you know, in the next months to reflect and appreciate what the last five years have been but really focus on what the next five years are for our people always. I think that was a big thing for me. I had not had a manager before and it was something new to me and I didn't really know how to navigate it and I was like, oh, how do you go about this? And I remember meeting with you for the first time and I was like, yep, she's just a genuine person um, that would have a laugh and I I think my perspective is they're going to be like to the, like really strict or like super like hard to get along with. Um, I hadn't had any experience with them and meeting you, I was like, yep, like she just seems like she's got a very nice air about her and I think that's why I was like, yep, she's the one. She's the one. I picked you. I picked you out of everyone. <laughs> but it is that, you know, like I think that it's a, it's a really important relationship and if the manager doesn't know you or the agent doesn't know the individual, it's very hard to advocate for that person and understand where they would be best placed. Um, and the moment I met you, Em, I was like, you can have a laugh. You're so determined to be the best person but athlete possible and they are the people that, you know, we want to be part of our sisterhood essentially. Um, and the sisterhood's the wrong terminology now um, but I guess for us it's about creating an agency where everyone feels like they belong and um, in that, you know, netball is such an important pillar in our business for us because we do feel like the sport um, across Australia is undervalued from a commercial sense and it is our ambition to help netball and the individuals in that to create bigger personalities, bigger profiles so the sport becomes more commercially attractive to more sponsors which in turn then increases the TV rights, the commercialisation of the game, brings more money to make sure the players get paid what they actually deserve. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot to it but I think you know for us it's about having a good relationship and making sure we... Um, I wouldn't I would get get stuff done. I use not a different word to stuff normally, but I will use stuff yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, we, we, we've got to keep it kid friendly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who's yes. listening. it's PG. <laughs> and I guess with that, um, you know, obviously you're talking about getting stuff done. How do you find that side of like the negotiation with different? Obviously, you're covering different sports. You've got mm-hmm. AFLW, you've got netball, you've got soccer. How do you find that negotiation, I guess, phase with clubs and, um, you know, the sponsorship and all that thing? Do you find that the natural part of your ability to be an agent or is that sort of the trickier side of things? Obviously, that's what it's about, but do you, do you enjoy that? I love a challenge. So mm. it, it is a real enjoyment from, from me. There's a challenge that 
each sport has its nuances in terms of how the negotiation happens. Um, cricket's very percentage-driven. Netball's not percentage-driven. It's very, you know, there's inclusion of super, there's inclusion of telephone, healthcare. There's all these different things that are very different to other contracts in other sports. But it's also about bringing best practice in to each sport too. So it's using some tactics we use in AFLW to transpire in netball to make sure we get the best deal for the athlete and vice versa. So I think each sport... Um, you know, you learn different things. But the negotiation process is is a really great process to be a part of. It's a challenging process because as the agent, you're kind of in the middle of the player and of the club. So, you know, if you think about it, you're here every single day training. So you, the club has great access to, to change the narrative sometimes to the individual as well, whereas the agent has to sit in the middle a little bit and try to Get, find the best path to get the best deal, but also make sure the player's represented with integrity, honesty and transparency. Um, so for me, every sport is very different um, and I guess that's where the challenge lies for me, but at the same time looking at how we can always get better and how that negotiation process can get better. Um, you know, there's been some really great negotiations and most of them are done over the phone. You know, we're fortunate to manage some really great Sunshine Coast Lightning talent and then, you know, Adelaide to to everywhere in the country, to GWS. So for us, you know, relationships are at the core. We travel a fair bit to try and, you know, get to know everyone. We'll get, not get to know everyone but be in front of people to have conversations that just aren't all, always about money. So the negotiation process is good but I guess the best part about it is getting the best deal for the player and the player kind of walking away, sometimes going, oh, I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was worth that much and – you're kind of like, well, you are, like back yourself in and, and giving the player the support that they deserve more or yeah. they deserve what they're on or having that uncomfortable conversation, hey, your performance hasn't been there this year. So there's a, uh, there are some uncomfortable conversations that you have to have with athletes from time to time as well and they're not the ones you like having because as an agent all you want is the best thing for the player but if – the performance doesn't match the dollar figure. It's just business. It's not anything personal and you've got to also take them on that journey as well. That's probably something I struggled with. I remember like the the past contract negotiation, I come off 2021, which is not the best year for all of us, but definitely not me, like myself personally. And that was something you were very honest with up front and we had a lot of good conversations and it was you just reassuring me on certain things and, and putting that perspective on your mind. And you do walk away thinking, about it a little bit differently and it's uncomfortable and it, I hate contracting period and I think many of us do because it's not a really nice it's like putting a price on who you are and you feel a little bit it's like a personal attack almost sometimes and not an attack it can be a, well, a great thing as well is so different to a regular job because it's not just the work you produce it's your actions like phys mm. physically like physically yeah it's hard to articulate why it is so different but it is very difficult mm. and it can feel personal like it yep. feels personal which is it can go either way as well which yeah, is absolutely. you can have the high end and you can have the low end so I feel like it is a very interesting time and a time that I don't enjoy and, I'm, and you do probably enjoy it but um, no, I something that has, it. it's a challenge it's a challenge it's a challenge, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a opportunity challenge. and a challenge <laughs> well okay speaking of opportunity you're you're talking about athletes like in soccer which is the world game do you like is it different managing athletes that probably have international contracts that's probably something that's been um that varies from you know aflw to netball as well absolutely um the soccer contracts well i'm i got told off the other day for calling it soccer so i have to call football it football, football. I, football. but in the australian market 
if you're trying to market these athletes, you have to call it soccer because yeah, no one calls it know. football. Oh, are you talking about AFL, rugby? What are you talking about? So <laughs> anyway, for the purpose of the podcast, I will call it soccer. The world game. I think <laughs> the world round ball game. Um, but the contracts overseas, I find them sometimes a little bit easier to deal with. There's less emotion. Australian sport is very emotional. It's very yeah. territorial. Loyal as well. Like Loyal. Loyal to your club. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And America's different. Um, you know, they get traded or they get bought mm. really quickly. It's the same as Europe. You know, I got a phone call at, I think it was 11pm from one of our clubs saying, you know, we've just recruited another player in the position that your client's in. Your client's third in line now. And you're kind of going, okay. Um, so are you happy for us to seek other opportunities? Yeah, well, we're thinking about, we're having a call with another club tonight and we're thinking about moving her there. I said, well, you won't be moving her there if it's not the right thing for her. So for us, it was about being part of that conversation. But understanding that it's so different to AFL and I guess the player um, in terms of what was best for the player Australia has a really good core in terms of their associations they take care of the players in terms of the players associations they're really lucky to have really good players We've got our president right here oh, of <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah here we go I was gonna do it's the other got, one it's got it's got school captain energy yeah. it? <laughs> it, does, it does definitely definitely but oh I feel like a loner here <laughs> what have I got nothing <laughs> Sports captain, you six, Emily. Oh, okay. Come on, put yourself Bradman. back up. Go Bradman. Um, but I guess the contracts internationally are so different. You know, you've got different tax jurisdictions. You've got yeah. different legal legal jargon, as I'm calling it now. And you've got different opportunities for um, different talent. So football here is soccer. The girls see the Matildas as their top priority. But then outside of that, they want to play in the Super League in England. So you have to be really realistic about what the sport is right now here in Australia and it's an export market. The girls want to get to a capacity where they can be exported overseas to play the mm. international game, right? Whereas here, um, we're playing at the pinnacle of what we're doing right now. Mm. Melbourne Vixens and Diamonds is the pinnacle of mm. what it is, right? And then from you know an AFL sense, AFL is the pinnacle of those girls, individuals and men can achieve and can play. So there's a different pool for each sport but in terms of the negotiation overseas international the time zone's the hardest thing um the first international contract i did was at 3 a.m or 4 a.m um and i was the brain's not functioning the brain wasn't functioning (laughs) and the contract that i ended up doing in the country that it was i didn't have my accreditation for so it got to the point where the club's like oh you know we can't do this and i just said I do not care about my management fee. <laughs> sign the contract. She wants to go. You want her. She's going to play well. Sign the contract. And it was just like that was probably one of my proudest moments as an agent to be able to, I guess, negotiate and broker something like that that was so important to the client. But um, it's a very, again, challenging environment to be mm-hmm. a part of because, you know, they just don't call you back. That A lot of agents and different clubs overseas they just don't call you back they won't get back to you whereas you know sport here is very polite everyone likes each other until they don't and then but overseas they just brutal it's very brutal it's very brutal so um, I guess there's more of a heart and soul here which is you know a really good thing and a really positive thing for sport here but I would like to see that it loosen up a little bit where athletes feel like they can you know, change clubs for one or two years and, and move around if they think it's the best thing for them or they see a great opportunity to change their life um, from an earning capacity or an opportunity capacity. 
right, see you next week. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, I explicitly just... did not mean that. <laughs> well, this will be the last this episode of Max Lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually leaving mid-season. See ya. I'm no. leaving mid-episode. Yeah. <laughs> mid-season draft. But imagine. Yeah, I guess soccer is very akin to basketball in that sense where a lot of um, athletes sort of develop their game in Australia and then they just have to look – Elsewhere, because the potential to earn is just not here in Australia for them, or the opportunity to play at the highest level as well. Yeah, just the competition as well. Um, the stadia overseas and the different individuals and coaches and and whatnot. Some of the presentations you sit in. Um, I'm going to Europe, as I said in the middle, middle yes, of the you year. You said it twice now. Yes. Okay, must be nice. We'll be rubbing in. Here in I said that so many times last year. Oh, did you know I went to Europe? Did you? Did <laughs> You're still saying it this year. I still, I can't. <laughs> and I'm going to um, obviously go meet some of the Super League clubs to understand what opportunities there are for our girls here. You know, I went to Costa Rica, I think it was last year or early in the year, I can't remember, to watch five of our girls compete in the under 20s World Cup. Oh, wow. Um, which was incredible. And, you know, the girls really loved the experience. But to be part of that with their families is something that I love being present and being involved in. This is The Backstoppers, a Melbourne Vixens podcast presented by Deakin University. Looking for a future in sport? Be ready to transform the industry. Deakin School of Exercise and Nutrition Sciences is ranked number one in the world. Study with them and be prepared to redefine what it means to work in sport. Plus, experience priceless practical experience with elite industry partners like Nepal Victoria and the Melbourne Vixens. We've got a weird question for you, uh, slightly Do off the cuff. Thing? No, no sound effect. Okay. It's, it's just um, I'm very curious, like what probably has been like the weirdest athlete sponsor oh. partnership that you've don't you know stop looking at me. And you've, I'm not saying. <laughs> I mean, maybe we can talk about Emma. No, just generally, you don't have to name the athlete. You could because I feel like that probably would go against your um, core of integrity. But what's something that's come to you and you've been like, I guess this is weird, but if they want to do it, I guess let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> What's weird? Um, There's nothing weird these days, is there? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're sellouts, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. Um, I think – no, it, this this isn't breaking integrity at all. Darcy Vessio did a uh, segment with a spice brand. Oh, spice brand? Like, yeah, like a like spice. Like Master Foods? Um, Was it cinnamon? I'm not going to name the oh, brand. Oregano. But, um, no, what or- do you call Canine pepper? canine pepper, doggy was it with the dog pepper bread? <laughs> no, it was a it was like a spice food, and they went to Das went to film something for the brand, and it was like part of this big kitchen setup, and Das is just like shaking things and like walking up there. It was one of the funniest things I've seen them doing. And you got to go, you and they own just, it. They owned it, but I think any other individual that would have done it would have it would have completely looked out of place. No idea, but Dust just made it look so normal. And I was like, They're awesome. Yeah, they're so incredible. And they just made it fun. And that's what I think that it was so off the cuff and kind of out of the blue. Like they don't pride themselves on being an amazing cook. They're a great cook, but it's probably not part of their brand portfolio. Mm-hmm. But I think that was probably like four years ago. I reckon we did that. And I just laugh at that still. <laughs> Have you done anything strange? No, surely. No. There was, um, there is some footage of me. Um, because I have this long-standing partnership with Nissan. Shout out to Nissan. And I filmed this thing not that long ago at the Netball Centre. Do you remember it? And it was me, like, out. they put a car on the Netball Court. I've, the footage is somewhere online. Oh. And it's me just going, like, being a woo girl for a minute straight, but it's different. And I'm there going, woo. Yeah, I do remember that. Did I you have a sign need, or something? I think I we, need to, we need to have a I cut to that during the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's probably been the thing where, like, I was filming it and I was like, they're like, this is so funny. And I was like, yeah, it is. And then they cut it together and I was like, 
slightly embarrassing, <laughs> but I, at, at the same time, I was like, well, you've just got to own it. You do, and I think creative agencies these days are a lot better than they were probably three or four years ago, where they find something to make it out of nothing, and mm. it actually looks relevant, and it looks like it fits, whereas, you know, I've seen a Geelong travel video that Joel Sowell did with his wife, Brit Prince. <laughs> no, it was like, we have to do Geelong or <laughs> no, something. No, I was just hovering I'll let Geelong off this time. Because you've put Joel Sowell in the name and you love Joel Sowell. I love Joel Sowell. Anyway, Stuart Cofield, who owns Geelong Travel, he purposely makes them cheesy, corny, so yeah. people remember them. Mm. And you kind of go, how are you doing that? Like, it's just the wildest TV commercial I've seen. I was like, oh, my God. If I had to put a talent in there, I don't know what I'd do. Interesting ones out there. Maybe I'll think of some ideas for me to do. I don't know. Be good at Bunnings, renovations, flipping houses. I did a Channel 9 thing. Realestate.com. I shouldn't talk about Channel 9, but I did a Channel 9 thing a few years ago in COVID and they came to the house and I thought it would just be like like a shoulder up sort of view of me doing something. They made me get a drill. I had to have like earmuffs on. I was like holding a drill in like my Vixen's gear. And I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) The biggest idiot. And dad and mum are in the background just like, oh. She didn't even lift a tool the whole time we've been building this. You could do Airbnb. You could do realestate.com, Bunnings. Here, well, shout out. Here we go. This is what I pay you the big bucks Alex, for. Alex, make habit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess our last one, going back to netball, is just in terms of how you see it progressing, I think, you know, it's come a long way as a sport. And, you know, you spoke before about your first contract at the Giants was 13,000. Mine was probably pretty similar at the Vixens. Um, And that's, I guess, and we're seeing big growth in that. But do you see it progressing forward sooner rather than later? How do you see that sort of panning out in the next few years as netball? I think that it's a buy-in from, you know, the broadcasters as well. It's looking at what the opportunity is and not measuring it against the same metrics that, AFL men's NRL and the different sports get measured off from a broadcasting point of view. Um, we need people and broadcasters and administrators to to look for different ways to measure the popularity of netball, the commercialisation of netball. And if we think of things differently, then we'll be able to market it differently. I think netball's done a great... Um, I think they've done a really great job in the last two years to commercialise it in a different way, but I think there needs to be more personalities from teams shown for the game to keep commercialising and keep being really viable. You've got this probably the same talent and it's very similar to where AFLW is at the moment. You've got the same talent that started the game, still commercialising the game. So looking at that next generation of talent coming through is I think really important but at the same time celebrating what netball is and the ability for netball to not only just be a club sport, it's a national sport and you can play for your country. So celebrating that pathway. I think, you know, as an agent it would be remiss of me to say I'm happy with where the the fees are for you, um, you know, the contract values are for every individual in netball. But I think there's, you know, I think the players and the staff do an incredible job to make the game as entertaining as it is. I love the super shot. I might be shot down for that. I think a lot of us have come around to the concept. I think for those of us that specifically play in defence, we just like it to be a little bit further out because it's a yep. bit easy. A bit easy. Okay, yeah. It's, my theory is it's a bit easy for double the value. Maybe it could be worth... 1.5, just to oh, really confuse the maths. <laughs> I can't even work it out at the moment. I would be so confused. <laughs> be like this, 1.5. Three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I've go to three. But I think just trying to do things differently mm. and experiment, not being afraid to experiment with things, not taking away the core of the game um, but and, and the tradition of the game, I think is really important, keeping the tradition of the game. But 
at the same time not being afraid to expand, explore, and that might be in pre-season games, um, you know, that might be doing things differently to everyone else. But I think netball's got such an opportunity in Australia. It's, you know, the place to be in the world to play netball as well from a club level. It's a competitive, it's it's viable commercially, there's great personalities, the broadcast is really good. So it's definitely being set up in the right way to, to move forward and I think that, you know, I hope that, Netball Australia and the Players Association can keep moving forward um, with the contract negotiations, but we won't comment on that. But, um, yeah, for me, I just think there's so much upside. There's so many girls and individuals and people that play play the game from such a junior level. But for me, you know, I've got an individual in under-18s capacity, Georgie Cleaver. She's just been named in the under-19s All-Australian squad. Wow. Amazing. For netball, but she's also in the under-18s All-Australian squad for AFLW. Mm-hmm. So and when you look yeah. at an individual like that, do you go and potentially be a training partner at Fever or do you potentially mm-hmm. go and, and take a gamble at the AFL? At the moment, she doesn't have to choose, so it's fantastic. She's not leaning one way or the other. She's in a spot of, you know, great equilibrium, I'll say, at this point in time where she's got both opportunities in front of her. But it comes to a point in time where that, you know, any individual needs to do what is right for them and the reality of soccer, football, AFLW, rugby, comparatively to netball, there's more contracts on the table for the three first sports, right? So I think the more teams and the more opportunity netball is given and afforded, I think the more girls you'll see choosing it to really kick that next elite level. So I think that's the – for me, uh, that's probably the only – it's not an issue at all. I think there's an exclusivity, there's a high performance element, there's a real competitive um, element to getting a contract. But at the same time, it's the duality of it that it does discourage some people because if you're 18, you can get drafted into the AFL and we have very few players that are teenagers yeah. that are in SSN. It's so. a bit of a shock if you have a, even a training partner that's as young as 18 where, mm. like Joey said, like you can get drafted into AFLW at that age. So you're on $40,000 yeah. in an elite environment. If you're tossing that up. Yeah, and I think that for me is probably – the elite, elite level is amazing and the top end's really good, but it's oh, what does these, you know, 16 to 22-year-olds, to where are we missing them? How do, they, how do we keep them in the game? How do I've we got keep one the thing. carrot? Indoor sport. Who wants to play in the rain? <laughs> Put we me say. on the marketing team, 100%. <laughs> we say it every week when it starts raining. When we were in Adelaide last week and it was raining, we're like, oh, goodness, we play an indoor sport. So oh, it's good. freezing. Okay. I, that's, not the, the that's not the only sell. The ball hits you in the face and it's cold. And, and the mud like, oh, and the rain. Apple's just so exciting. <laughs> like how, how fast, how, how much faster the game has gotten. Oh, you're telling us. Yes. Sometimes I'm like, keep I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes can't even keep up. I don't know how your bodies keep up. But that's, you know, there's so much, there's such an attractive sport. Yeah. But these young kids, they have everything in five seconds these days, everything in the palm of their hand. They're, they are impatient. Mm. They want things now. They don't want to wait. They don't want to invest. They want them now. And that's the mentality of this next generation coming through. They will not wait. They will take whatever's on offer straight away. And that's the only no. opportunity, challenge. There's challenge. 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 Well, speaking of challenges, we've got round seven now that I can count. Figured it Five, out. Five, six, oh, seven is next. Finally, we're back at home this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll play against the Firebirds. You know, the last time we played them was in round eight of 2022. So they were the first game, the first time we played second, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. So the first game we played first team second. First team we played second. Second 
way on the on the way through. Yeah, yeah I'm on, I, I'm I on feel, the safe. I've like got there. But we did win Slow that game. Slow steady. Sixty-six to sixty-four. Oh, close one. And it's heritage round this weekend, Alex. Do you know the back? Do you know the history of the Vixens? Divulge. Emily? Oh, <laughs> yep, righto, my turn. Thrown under the bus there, I think. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, Vixen started in 2008 and two clubs basically merged together. So we had the, the Kestrels and the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Joey, what team were you? I was a bit of both, but towards the tail end, I was a Kestrel supporter because I was a really big fan of Julie Quilletto, Julie Prendergast back then, uh, goal defence. So I kind of jumped ship and they, they weren't that good as well, but I was dedicated. Yeah, that's loyal. pretty good. Australian sport. Yeah. Loyal. So I was definitely Phoenix and I was a big fan of Sheryl McMahon because mm-hmm. I played goal attack back in the day and I thought she was amazing. So I was a Phoenix girl. But it's, a, I guess, about celebrating the history of our clubs that have come together and all those who have come before us. And, you know, we've spoken about how big and how fast Nepal's grown, but it's been all the work before that, um, all the women that have come before us that have played and represented our amazing state. And I think it's about you know, sharing that, that game with them and, and thinking of them in those moments. So, yeah, against Firebirds, it's going to be a tough one, Joey. Yeah, they're coming um, off they're their first, form. first win of the season. Uh, they had last week, so they'll probably be wanting to continue that momentum up against us. So hopefully we'll come away with a win. And we did have a competition we were running last week to give away some tickets. Alex, I think you're too late to enter. Oh, I'm so Who's sorry. your favourite iconic duo? It can be... You probably don't know any from the Kestrels and the Phoenix, but who's been your favourite uh, favorite iconic duo from the Vixens? Well, how can I go past you two, the backstoppers, you <laughs> yeah. know? So Good answer. I think you really led me into that one, Em. <laughs> we should give it to you. Let's give it to Alex, the, the Sip and Saturdays tickets for this we did. We had some good entries from people mm-hmm. across our socials. Uh, currently playing, we had Liz Watson and Kate Maloney. Iconic. Iconic duo across the midcourt. Who else was there, Em? We had McMahon and Southby, which was one of my suggestions mm-hmm. because obviously, like I said, Sherelle was my favourite player um, and she was amazing, especially when she had the short hair, the pixie cut. That was like, it's like maybe I'll cut my hair like that. Lucky I didn't. I think you should. We could do it live next week on yeah. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> could be one of your TikTok videos, Joe, just cutting my hair off. And then we have Bianca Chatfield um, featuring in many duos. She had an illustrious playing career in multiple positions as well. It was Bianca Chatfield and Liz Tavener or Liz Boniello, Bianca Chatfield and Chief of Mentor, Bianca Chatfield and Julie Corletto. It just shows how long Bianca Chatfield was around for. It shows how adaptable she was with playing with different people. I think that's a, you know, a big sell of a career. It is a credit to her. What else is on the list? We've got Katie Flates and Tegan Phillip. Ooh. 2020 grand final partnership. Um Obviously, MJ is in there as well. but Iconic trio. Trio. Go we'll go with the yeah, trio. Duo, duo. You're changing the terms and conditions. Yeah, yeah we are. Oh, Sorry. No, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's We're not by the contract. book. Not by the book here. <laughs> we also had an off-court one, which was Kate, Eddie and Mundy on TikTok. So, are you sad that you're not on there? <laughs> well, it's not Iconic trios, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's exclusively. I feel bad for them. They've suggested them exclusively on TikTok. Yeah, it's like rather the court, than on the court. Only on TikTok. That's sad. I think, I think this one coming from Rachel 93 has to be the winner because okay. it's my favourite. It's Kate Maloney and her timeout pep talks. That's the <laughs> Iconic duo. <laughs> Do you remember that time she was mic'd up and you just get saying, now, now. <laughs> <laughs> we used to do this thing. Was it during the game that you yeah, were mic'd you, up? You, yeah, I, it only lasted a few weeks because I don't, I mean, if any, if it was anyone else but me, it would just be heavy breathing the entire time. <laughs> she got asthma. <laughs> I do have asthma. <laughs> she was sorry. Touchy subject. 
But poor Kate, like they just played this snippet of her and it was all the snippets of her just yelling out now. But like it didn't really make sense why she was yelling she, she used the word so frequently. It just is completely devoid of meaning if you're continually saying. Like she was just running around yelling, now, I now. she was thinking she was going to get the intercept. Now. Now. Draw it now. <laughs> Draw it now. Now. Oh, well, congratulations um, for that suggestion. We love that. And we'll see you on Saturday night, I guess. Yes. Two tickets to Sip and Saturdays, which is, again, hopefully we can sneak there at half time to Sip and Saturdays with our hydrolytes, but... I think so. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Are you going to Sip and Saturdays? Why not? Yeah. Count like me in. Lovely it, go, it goes off. So I've heard because we're normally on the court, so it's hard to, it's hard to sort You can of hear s- it, though. Oh, you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Joey, I think it's time for your favourite time of the week. Oh, yes. And we don't have a theme song, but this is my segment called Weston's Word. Nice alliteration there. Um, And this week, every week, sorry, Alex, for some context, every week, not every week, some weeks, um, I bring a word, which I try and get Emily to guess or whoever our guest is. I get our guest to guess. Um, Either the definition or like trying to use it in a sentence. So last week it was dramaturgically. What's that mean? (laughs) Go on. Have a guess. Detergently. (laughs) (laughs) I said that you're allergic to drama, but that wasn't it. (laughs) I thought that made sense. The actual definition didn't make much sense. No, I was still confused. This week, uh, the word of the week is... Do you Google the hardest words to know? No, that one came up because I've been watching the TV show Succession, which I'm I'm not not allowed to talk about it anymore. (laughs) But I brought it up again. We nearly started a fight last week about me. Emily said I had really poor taste in television. I I get told that. I said I'm the only one that watches it. And you sit there and watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I'm watching... My television show has won multiple Emmys. (laughs) (laughs) Beverly. You're watching... What? Do you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? No, I don't. Do you watch Succession? No. What are you watching? Sport. She watches exclusively she just sport. Flicking through the channels on KO, KO, just like you've got enough to catch up on every week. She's got multiple screens going. <laughs> so <laughs> many options though on KO. I feel like I've scrolled down. I'm like, oh yeah, my god, it's like Netflix of sport. Like I it did really like is. Um, Night Agent. I got told oh, I've I didn't watch that. I've watched that. So addictive. But a bit of a poor, like, act. Like, it's not, See, it's one of those people bad who watch acting. a lot of TV set me, But I don't watch enough TV to know so bad like, acting. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Love these actors. It's better than sport where they're not acting at all. So, yeah. well, actually, depending on the sport. Depending, don't throw it under the bus. I know where you're going. Groundball um, football. Trip. Mm. <laughs> 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 the word of this week is machination. I think Obviously mashing something. There's no. Nah, I don't reckon it is that. Yeah. It's too obvious. She wouldn't have chosen that one if it was Yeah, because I said drama. Machination. I think it's like a culmination, like a collective something. What does that a mean? Collective. Uh. Like a collective, a culmination, yeah. a okay. machination. Machination. is really Like a mass version of collective. Machination. There is a machination of Vixen supporters. Can you please put it in a sentence, Joe? Um... I guess. <laughs> Is it going to give it away? Or you don't know what – you don't even know what it means. <laughs> I do, I do. You can't, can you? Google. I'm Googling it now. <laughs> oh, so underprepared. You one segment, you can't even prepare it. Well, that's because we have a shared Google Doc, so I didn't I want to put it on there because then you'd oh, know what the I word know. was. It makes total sense. So I've, I've kind of shot myself in the foot notes here. up or something. I've got it here. Okay, it's <laughs> machination. Like it would be like if – God, this is going to be a lot of awkward pauses. Can we edit this out? Yeah. <laughs> this is really embarrassing. <laughs> <to me. laughs> 
Western word fail. Hang on, I get to. Yes! yes don't touch it! Don't touch it. <laughs> Do not touch the buttons. That is your first and final warning. Nemo touch the bar. It's don't like. Nemo touch the bar. Okay. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to come back. And I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm just. You know what? Those at home, if you're listening, you can figure it out yourself. Mash nation. Oh. I'm going with you. I'm going with your it's answer. It's a nation of mashes. Is it? No. <laughs> what? I was like serious. The pause then. I thought it was serious. Oh, it's like, it's like, when you're, you it's like a scheme when like, you're plotting for something notoriously evil. So like if you're watching The Night Agent. Oh. Yeah. So that like. Yeah. That, was, know, yeah, that was a good segue, wasn't it? Yeah. That was a good segue. And uh, this is an awful segue to end our <laughs> latest episode know, of The Backstop. We, we can't finish on that short. Let's ask another question. Ask Alex another question. Joe, what are you, what's your burning question? How annoying is Emily Mannix to deal with as a <laughs> – if you were to rank all of your players about who – First to last, go. First to last. We don't compare. <laughs> Everyone's an individual. What's been, what's been the most demanding thing that any player – like any athlete has ever asked for? You can make it vague so they don't know it's them. <laughs> They're going to know it's them, Joe. They're not going to listen to this. I won't answer they that won't. question. I'll just – one thing on Emily. Yeah, go okay. back to that. <laughs> Android. Oh, don't. Yeah, we're elaborating that. If there's one thing about Samsung? Emily, which green, is the best photos. Green text messages. <laughs> it's like such an ick, isn't it? I've said this numerous times. Well, why don't you get a Samsung and then we'll have blue text messages, which no. are the free ones. Because I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's lucky you have a boyfriend, otherwise it would oh. die for you out there. <laughs> he likes the Samsung. Does he have a Samsung? No. <laughs> <laughs> Poison Kate. Point and case. Like I think your biggest thing is that you're so stubborn. Just because you had a Samsung once and we got it for I free. Got, I got one free diamond mean. Samsung and I'm just like the first time I bought one, everyone was like, You bought a Samsung? I was like, half the price of an Apple. Why not? And she says she doesn't know how to use an iPhone yet. You sit there on the iPad. <laughs> I have an iPad too, which I like, but I don't know how to navigate it. I Liar. use it for Netflix and Netflix only on our travels. I don't use the iPad for anything else. All right. Everything you just said is <laughs> I feel victimised anyway. in this. What's wrong with the well, Samsung? She's, she's leaving mid-podcast. She's leaving <laughs> mid-season. That's mid it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex, and our listeners. Um, for this episode of Backstoppers. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. Might just be me hosting by myself. I'm out. So. I'm leaving. <laughs> Alex, would you like to be my new co-host? <laughs> I don't know if you'll put up with me that long. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a good machination. Brought to you by Samsung. <laughs> oh, Point <Brian>. case. <laughs> okay. See uh, you, everyone. See ya. Ciao. I'm leaving. <laughs>